folks. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of In the Midnight Hour podcast. We are back on the couch this week. And I am, again, your host, Keller. And I'm Lauren. She's your other a, host. She's a host, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's a host, too. She's not just a random person. No. <clears throat> so, hope everyone enjoyed the Halloween spooktacular last week. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to record that and to get all those stories together and and uh it just it was a it was a fun little treat for us and we hope that you really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was fun. Telling our spooky stories and mm-hmm. other people's spooky stories. And I definitely want to do more stuff like that. And I think I say that every episode, but it's like, you know, I want to I like get the, more stories. You like the spooky, paranormal, yeah, creepy, I, creepy stuff. I like the macabre. I like uh, dark stuff. It's kind of how my soul is. Yep, yep. So I hope everybody's having a good week. What have we been up to this week? Oh, man. Well, I got back into my workout routine. Yeah, been, after being sick all last yeah, week. Yeah, so you were sick, and then I got sick. Yes. And I've just been kind of laying low. Yeah. And so and, I got uh, back into my groove last week, and I've been doing it this week. And so he finally was able to get back to his running. Yeah. His running today. So that was nice and intense. It felt good. Yeah. It felt good and bad at the same time. Yeah. But that's how it always is. But, I mean, I don't think we've done too much this week. I think we've just been kind of working and doing household stuff. Like, it's kind of been a quiet week as far as. Yeah, same old, same old, really. Yeah. Yeah, I will say Lauren just tried to make a make a cornbread yeah. in the oven, and our oven is on the fritz, so it keeps throwing this error code. So, so it literally of cut it, off. Like, I mean, it was right in the middle it was of like five minutes in. No, it was so it had to cook for twenty uh, seven minutes, and it cut off with fifteen minutes left. So you just put it in the microwave. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to see if it would do it, and it did cook it all the way through. And I tried it, and it's edible. Oh, you tried it? Yeah. Is it good? That's I just said it's, it's edible. I mean, it's not as good as if you made it in the oven. Yeah, does it still, still taste like? It still tastes like cornbread. Cornbread. It just kind of has that like microwave taste. Like you know, if you make eggs in the microwave, it doesn't taste the same as doing it on the stovetop. Yeah, it, it's still an egg. But it's it has cooked. kind of like a little weird taste to it. Yeah, it's just not as good. Yeah. So yeah. this week is episode number seven, and. And as you have guessed by the title and description, we are going to be interviewing each other today. Um, A little bit different than our usual flow, but I thought that it would be a really cool idea to kind of, you know, separately come up with our own questions and sort of... I don't know, like thought-provoking questions. We know pretty much everything there is to know about each other, but 
you change as a person as you go through a relationship. And so you could have asked me something five years ago and my answer would probably be completely different on a lot of different things than it is now. So I'm interested to see how that is going to be. And I think there's a few questions that I've never asked you before. It's a trap. (laughs) No, it's definitely not a trap. Um, Keller's thinking that I'm going to be like asking him super, you know, intense questions. It's just going to devolve into, would you date me if I was a worm? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I promise. Would you date me if I was a puddle of jello? I promise it's nothing like that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, if I was in a coma, would you still love me? Would you still be with me after, you know, however many? It's not going to be if like I died, that. would you get another wife? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not going to be anything like that. It's, it, it's, it's all just meant to kind of explore your mind. And also, I tried to, at least for my questions, some of my the questions I'm going to ask you, I tried to have a sort of like, advice element to it where it's like what is this for you and why and then also how did you deal with it or how did you do this or what is your advice or whatever so I tried to kind of play it up so that it was like you know it is exploring your thoughts and your brain and your mind on these questions but it's also like maybe someone that listens to this relates to your answer and you know they would love to know how you dealt with it or you overcame that situation. So Yeah, we'll get to know each other each other better and then maybe the listeners will get to know us better as Yeah, well. I definitely think that they'll get to know us better. Well let's get into it. What would you like to go first? Um oh before we actually get into the episode, um we do want to make a quick announcement that next week Um, We are going to take a week off. Um, I'm so sorry. We are going to be out of town all weekend. A sigh of relief from the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank fucking God. All three of you are like, oh God, I don't have to listen to their podcast this week. (laughs) Yeah, but no. So we're going to take a week off and just, you know. We're, we're going to be out of town, so we don't really have a ton of time to get into it and research and pick a topic when we usually would be doing that. And we've just been working really hard the last seven, eight weeks on it, and it just definitely feels like a nice time. We've got a really busy week next week, and it just feels like a good time to take a week off. And then we'll be back at it again, of course, the week after with all fun new content but it'll just it gives you a little refresh a time to you know go away from it and then the heart grows fonder yep as they say but yeah so no episode next week but we'll be back after that so do not fear those of you who may fear the one person who may fear (laughs) but let's do the questions do you want me to go first you go first. yeah you go first okay let me pull my questions up on my phone So, like I told you earlier, I came up with a bunch of questions, and I'm just going to kind of pull from them randomly, whatever feels appropriate. So, if you could meet and talk to anyone, dead or alive, who would you talk to and why? Hmm. So, 
like think about it for a second you know like really <laughs> like just blab out my answer yeah because I, I know this was you a word association the first thing that came to your mind because <laughs> i know you and like there's probably I'm like, like george washington carver <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you just like you're just gonna say something and then you're like wait well what about this person so, yeah <clears throat> well you know, I, I have a love of the Grateful Dead, so yeah. You know, I Jerry knew that that Garcia, one was going to be that, coming up first. That's he's on you know, upper portion of my list <clears throat> for sure. Talk music with him, and you know, see how his mind works and what he thinks. And it would be cool. <clears throat> That'd be really cool. But um. <laughs> I mean, we could take a real turn I, was about, I, I just saw, if you we just saw Keller's face in person, then you would just know, like, the deviousness that just lit in his eyes. It's not devious. I mean, it's, I mean, like, we could take a turn and say, like, my father. Well, I knew that's that. what you were going to say. <laughs> you know, I've talked to my dad, but. That, that, <clears throat> no, if that's your answer, you let, could. Let, no, it doesn't. I said anyone. Anyone dead or alive. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, of course it would be my dad, of course, you know. But let's just say, not him. Let's say somebody else, like a celebrity or somebody that, you know, is not my father. Um, okay. I, th I think, um, so Ram Dass was a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know Ram Dass, he, he was originally Richard Alper. He, you know, that, I mean, that's his real name. He was a Harvard professor who was involved in the LSD studies with Timothy Leary. And he eventually went to India and found his guru and found <clears throat> spirituality and was given the name Ram Dass. You know, that's just so that's what he went by in his latter years as a spiritual teacher, author. Um, and <clears throat> I, I <clears throat> so excuse me, I always wanted to go to his retreats that he had in Maui where he lived um, in the latter portion of his life. They were called Open Your Heart in Paradise. And I always wanted to go to that. I had, I had looked into the retreats for years. I mean, every year I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And, uh, but they're a lot of, I mean, they're like $3,000 or more. That's like baseline. So, you know, just never had the money to fly to Hawaii and stay and go to this retreat but I always wanted to go and um and so sadly he passed away maybe two years ago it was it was very recently yeah maybe two years ago or so um yeah he passed away I mean he was in his 80s so. but uh yeah I think it would be it would be him I mean I, I always wanted to go to the retreat just to be close to people that were close to him you know, and to hear him speak on a stage, much less talk to him in person. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, he had a big impact on me and my thinking. And um, I so think you just want to you would want to sit and have a conversation. Yeah, with him. that would be <clears throat> that would be awesome. I think he would be the main person, you know, that I you know, celebrity wise or somebody who I look up to that. That I'd want to go, that I'd want to talk to. Yeah, I think that hearing you say that, like when I thought of the question, of course I thought Jerry, mm -hmm. um, because I think I've asked you this question before, and you've said Jerry in the past. But honestly, like hearing you say Ram Dass, like that does make so much sense. Yeah, Jerry would be cool. 
that'd be awesome, mm-hmm. you know. But but I think uh, Ram Dass was just as impactful on my life as as Jerry was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think he would be number one. Mm-hmm. Jerry with a, a close second. Yeah, yeah, a close second. Sorry, Jerry. Well, I think I think he would appreciate the sentiment either way. <laughs> Well, let's see. I I I want to just do the whole thing of like, well, what about you? You know, and just well, throw we it can back kind to of you, do that. It is interesting. I mean, we can kind of play it. Like, yeah. there's some questions where that kind of. Well, fits. I do. I, okay, I, on this one, I, I want to do that. I want to know your who. I, okay. <clears throat> I it's I'm definitely that type of person. Let me just like preface this whole episode with like, I when I'm put on the spot, like I just completely blank out for about five seconds and it's going to take me a little bit to get my brain motors and wheels functioning to think about what my actual answer would be. Mm. If I could talk to anyone dead or alive, who would it be? All my people are dead. (laughs) Well, I think that, I think that there's like something about the people who are dead because it's like you know that you're never going to get to talk to them. If they're alive, you're like, maybe there's a a 1% chance chance that, yeah, that I can or that I can find some crazy way to talk to them. Someone who I would want to talk to would be like historical. Um, Right, Right. Someone like really long ago, like, Maybe like Cleopatra or that'd be cool. <clears throat> I don't know. Like I first, I know that I want to talk to a woman, and I I think that I want to talk to a historical woman. Hmm. So maybe okay. This is kind of random. I don't know why this is popping into my head right now, and this is definitely like not what I would normally answer, but. And I don't have a specific name, but I would love to talk to one of the women who were accused of being a witch during the Salem witch trials Mm, who were killed because they definitely weren't witches. And even, you know, in the modern day, we talk about like witchcraft and like the occult and stuff. And it's like it's more widely accepted now because it's you realize that it's just like astrology it's just a practice that people use like if people can call themselves a christian then why can't someone say that they're a witch you know it's like it's all just stuff that you kind of believe but um yeah i think that i I, i'm like such a women apologist like i love learning about historical women and even if they were like kind of terrible i love like being an apologist for them because most of the time you know, as they say, the history books were written by the winners. So when you hear about historical women who, like, got burned and, you know, beheaded, Marie Antoinette's of the right. world, it's like, <clears throat> were they really that bad? Or, I mean, they probably you were. That, you see that T-shirt or coffee mug, and it's like, well-behaved women never make history. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I kind of unironically like that. But my, my, my mom probably gave me one of those when I was in high school, but... <laughs> No, I think... Basically saying, like, you're a bitch. (laughs) You would enjoy this. Yeah, well, that's like they would say, oh, you should be a lawyer, but it was just because I was extremely argumentative. (laughs) And they didn't like how opinionated I was. (laughs) Yeah, at least make us some money. Yeah, yeah. So I think right now I would say that because 
to un- I would want to know what it felt like to be a woman back then to be so persecuted on that level that it's like one thing like we don't understand I mean I guess some parts of the world do so I'm not I'm not going to say everybody does because a lot of women do understand that level of persecution that they have a fear of death I mean look at what's happening in Iran right now but to have that sort of like fear of the devil and this like huge occult fear and women were oftentimes the target of it. Yeah. I think it would be very sad and fascinating to sit down with one of those women. And like, they're probably just a normal woman who like didn't get married. Who's like in her forties, maybe wasn't like up to society standards, you know, they were like the original young living People who <laughs> had essential oils. Yeah. They, yeah, had they lavender oil and they're like, they, you're a witch. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think, I think that's my answer right now. Okay. All right. This is a lighthearted one. If you had to watch one movie on repeat forever, what would it be? So I, I had two things immediately come to mind. I had Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. and then I had Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. Phantom of the Opera, the movie with Jar- Gerard Butler? Yeah. Okay. Revenge of the Sith, your favorite of the Star Wars. Well, that's just the <laughs> one that I would, like, want to watch the most. Okay, okay. It, I think it is, like, one of my top three favorites, though. Yeah, yeah. I think Empire is my favorite, and then Revenge, but those kind of alternate. Um. Does Revenge have Jar Jar Binks? No. Well, yeah, maybe for a little bit. Yeah. But it's not like the it's not like the first two where he's like a supporting the Sith character. Lord Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Um I think I'm gonna say God, I don't know. That's really hard. I, my gut I'm just gonna go with my gut on this one and I'm gonna say Revenge of the Sith because I feel like there's so much in that. That's like you can analyze one part of it and get hyper fixated and you can do like I, the reason I don't I wouldn't put Phantom at number one is because I think the music would get old after a while. Like obviously anything would get old after a while. But the music I, would get old. If the you music if that, that was, you listen to at least once or twice a week that you've been listening to for the last decade. Yeah, but that's like by but that's by choice. If you had nothing else that you could yeah, watch, yeah, yeah. I think that you would probably be like, "Oh my god!" Like, because there you you would want like calm moments in the movie. And there, yeah. there's all I ask of you would get a little old after a while. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> hearing the Phantom would get old. It's like sometimes you just want like a quiet. That's moment. like if every song that I've ever made a ringtone or a alarm. That's why I don't make, I just Mm-mm. use the standard sounds like. Yeah. <clears throat> we learned the hard everything. way to not make the sound. Anytime I've put a song to my phone for a, a taunt ringtone or wake up call, uh, I always end up hating it. Oh, I get full PTSD. Like, like when you oh. had the pink Panther. Oh gosh. Yeah. Runner. Keller had that for like two years. Yeah, now every time I hear that, I just get shudders all over my body. Yeah, it used to be horrifying by the end of him using that. Like, I was begging him, please, for the love of God, change this. But, (laughs) yeah. Moving. So, word of advice don't put your favorite songs. I mean, 
Maybe it works for you, but it didn't work for me. Yeah. Especially your alarm clock. Because then you're going to associate that with waking up every day. Yeah, and like being forced to do something. All right. So I think this one will kind of go along with your the first question I asked you. So I feel like this is a, a, a nice question to ask next. What is a time in your life where you felt terrible slash dealt with mental health issues and how did you overcome that? Hmm. Yeah, this does go along with my first answer and you'll see in a why in a minute. So I don't know if there was, there wasn't a specific thing that happened or a moment, but I went through a period and we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, <clears throat> I don't even remember when I was probably in my 20s, mid 20s, mm-hmm. 22 to, well, no, 24 to about 27, mm-hmm. <clears throat> where I just had, I was, I was just, I guess, call it depressed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I never really thought in those terms until later in life when mental health has been talked about and depression and anxiety. You know, I I never put names to these things, but I just felt just blah about life, and I felt sad a lot, and, you know, I didn't have a purpose or meaning, and I'm not even talking about career-wise, because I I worked a job in my field, in my college degree, you know, right out of college, Um, but... I don't know. I just felt this every day, just like <clears throat> meaningless and uh, felt bad every day and sad and uh, couldn't shake it for a long time. And uh, I decided that I was going to do something about it, you know, try, try to do something about it. And, uh, so I started taking baths because I used to like taking baths as a kid. And so I would just, I would get in the bath and I, I decided, I was like, I'm going to do something relaxing, you know, or you know, just something, it's just me that's relaxing, you know, just something for myself, I guess, you know, self-care or whatever. Again, like none of these words were a thing. I mean, they were, but I didn't think about them. So, um, I would get in the bath and I started doing that like every day I would be at my parents' house and I would take a bath and I don't know if I was living with them, but they had a bathtub. So, and I didn't. So, uh, I'd get in their bath, you know, nice hot bath. And then I started putting essential oils in there and, uh, you know, like lavender, anything to like relax me, calm me down, relax and uh, so I started doing that, and this is right around the time where I, I had known about Ramdas, the guy. Again, another. This is a big reason why he would be the person I'd want to talk to. And uh, and I, I would. This is right around the time I started listening to his talks, mm-hmm. his lectures, or whatever. And uh, I had known about him through psychedelics and. 
you know, Be Here Now. I had a copy of Be Here Now, which was his first big book. And I think you mentioned to me that you had heard about his talks on YouTube or something like that. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd heard about him and, you know, seen some things. But, you know, I, I wasn't into Hinduism or, yeah. I mean, really spirituality. I mean, I had done psychedelics, and that was a very religious and spiritual experience for me and a connecting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but during this period, I mean, I, I didn't feel any of that. I just felt yeah. dark, yeah. you know, despair. I know that you um, said that you, and I only bring this up because I think that this is like a very universal sort of feeling that people have and that a lot of people deal with on a daily basis is that you had, um, you, you dealt with feelings of shame. Mm. You dealt with feelings of, um, deep sadness. Like you said, you felt like you were kind of gross and icky. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a big, not you say that, uh, chronic guilt Mm. and shame. Mm -hmm. And Um, we've talked about this and self-loathing. Yeah. The self-loathing part. Remember you you bringing that up and we've talked about this and discussed, sort of the the reasons and things maybe why you felt that way and so much of it it was your internal world it had nothing to do with the way that you interacted with people it had nothing to do with the way that you treated people but it it was like well, some of it did some of it did some of it was a direct result of you know bad actions for sure mm, yeah um, some of it was definitely self-inflicted so maybe it was like a mix <clears throat> but I wallowed of both. I wallowed in that for a while because I felt like I deserved it mm. and and maybe I did yeah um so yeah I wallowed in that for a while and I said I deserve this mm. I deserve to feel bad I you deserve to, to feel yourself. sad I deserve to feel shameful mm. you know I, I don't get to be happy mm. you know and <clears throat> so that went on for a while and then I got to the point where I was like I can't take this anymore I have to feel better. Mm. And so, again, getting back to the story, I would take a bath every day, and I was learning about Ram Dass. And really, I didn't get into what he was talking about, really. And I was just like, this is a guy I've heard of. I'm just going to listen to him talk, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's about spirituality and dealing with these things, you know, dealing with shame and, and dealing with, the human existence and how to find happiness and, you know, wholeness within yourself and, and, your, you, and you, your heart. And you've said you were kind of like just desperate for anything. I was desperate. I was so de- so. Yeah, you I were started, clinging on to anything that could give you hope. Yeah. So it would be me taking a bath every day mm-hmm. and relaxing. And then I would turn on a Ram Dass talk and listen to it. And, you know, I would listen to it and I wouldn't think nothing of it. Right. And then I would just do that every day. And, you know, over a period of a good year, and a year, two years maybe, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would do this, you know, take a bath every day, every other day. And that would be my time to sit there and, <clears throat> and listen to Ram Dass talks. And maybe I put on other talks too, mm-hmm. um, but it was mainly him. Yeah. And uh, th- through that, I... Uh, you know, really started to trust what he was saying and hear what he was saying. And it really made an impact on me. 
and you know he's talked about meditation so i tried to do that and again like <clears throat> at the beginning i was like well nothing happened you know and then i got to the point where i was like well nothing happened i would get out and then my re- the rest of the day at the end at the end of the day i'd be like well that was a pretty good day yeah you know, you I, had like af- a after that i guess i did feel a little bit better yeah you know just a little bit yeah. you know, one percent yeah you know? and then i got to the point where i, I had experiences meditating in the bathroom um or in the bath <laughs> yeah the bath was in the bathroom <laughs> yeah. where you know i would go into these meditative states of you know for i mean not, i'm not talking about an hour or 30 minutes i'm talking about 30 seconds yeah where i wasn't thinking about all the shit that i had done wrong or all my anxiety anxious thoughts mm-hmm. were flooding into my head and i couldn't stop it mm-hmm. it was just me having a moment of peaceful just breathing Mm. and that was like so blissful to me that I was like oh it's possible to feel good yeah and um yeah short story long um well I I wanted a long answer I wanted you to explain your kind of process working through it yeah I, I found Ram Dass and I found meditation and I found the bath and I found a routine for myself, um, and it really helped me, really, really helped me, and changed my life. And you know that they, I've read a lot where people talk about sort of like a spiritual rebirth, and like a, like people have literally gone into bodies of water and baths, mm-hmm. and they they like, it's like literally like a spiritual <coughs> cleansing and like a rebirth. It's like yeah. you're coming through the birth, and you're you know you're 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 going into these cleansing waters, and so there's um, there is something like metaphorical too about the fact that you were getting into a bath and doing it. Yeah, like I said, at first it was just the re- relaxation aspect of a hot bath, mm-hmm. and then it turned into you know I'm not doing anything else. You know, I can't think about all the stuff. If I'm sitting on the couch listening to a lecture or whatever, mm. I can't be, you know, I'm thinking about all the st- stuff I need to do, and I'm just going to get up and start doing it. This forced me to sit every day. It yeah. forced me to sit in this bathtub and be with myself. Yeah, and, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, and, and think and not think, mm-hmm. you know, and it just forced me to be there yeah. <clears throat> with myself Every day. Yeah, because I think so many people are so busy. It's like it's really hard to force your mind to still and to to calm down enough to like to put a pause and say, okay, I don't feel that good. Like I don't feel happy every day. I don't feel joyful every day. And I've got so much going on. I've got so many thoughts. It's like you have – I mean – you you have to carve a space out for you and figure out what works for you in your life and what makes you feel feel good again. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was it for me, you know, my depression in my mid 20s and the bath and Ramdas and meditation was my reprieve and yeah. my <clears throat> medicine that got me out of that. Yeah. And it really did. It really did uh help me yeah. a lot. And I've taken I don't take baths hardly anymore. I mean, every now and then I will. I, I still like to take baths, but yeah, very rarely. Yeah. And uh, I don't I don't listen to Ram Dass a lot anymore. 
Um, but those, what I learned in that bathtub helped me. It still helps me today. Yeah. It still carries over to this day. Yeah. And it, it really saved me. It really did. So well, thank you for being vulnerable and giving us that answer. Yeah. So after that one, we'll get, we'll get, do a light one. Okay. <laughs> All we'll of my like questions them. end up being light because all of mine are deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of mine are light. Yeah, all your... yeah. Yeah, so, okay. All right. What would be your last meal if you were on death row? What would be your last meal? Ooh. Um, again, it's like every time you ask these, like, two things, like, immediately pop up into my mind. So one was Thanksgiving, like, dinner. Oh, yeah. And then one was, like, a really nice, like, steak dinner yeah um I think right now my heart is saying the Thanksgiving dinner because I would want like my family members to cook it and there's something that's like a steak dinner like anyone can cook that really well you know but like I didn't even think about that that's 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 good but it's like my family like I knew that my grandma my nana I knew that she cooked the the dressing and my aunt Tanya did the deviled eggs and my mom did the mac right, and cheese. Right. And so it's like, if I'm going to die, it's like, I want yeah, those that, little pieces of my family <clears throat> yeah. that I know, like they put their heart and soul into making this. And they that's gave a it good to answer. Me. That's a good, what if your family had disowned you because you were a mur- uh, serial murderer? Oh, okay. If, if that was the case, then I would say a steak dinner okay. because the, I, I would <laughs> be like, get me a Michelin star chef. Mm. Yeah, if you could, if you could choose who cooked your steak, I would say a steak dinner. Yeah, because I love a good steak. Yeah, I would but want like with all the fixings. If you couldn't choose, because a steak can be really good or really bad. Yeah, if a I, good if I steak is the best the thing ever to do it. But if they just got you a steak from wherever TGI down the street, Fridays. <laughs> yeah, I, or you know, Applebee's, yeah, you know, Louisiana sirloin or whatever, then I'd be like. I'd probably take the Thanksgiving because then at least you can't, it's harder to screw up Thanksgiving than a steak. Yeah. And there's something that's like very comforting about a Thanksgiving meal because it's like all the good memories around it and everything. But they better, they better not give me stovetop stuffing. Yeah. I don't want stuffing. I want dressing. I'm from the South, damn it. Yeah. I want dressing and I want canned cranberry, not real cranberry. Oh yeah, I want canned I want, goopy I want cranberry. To see the rings I, yeah, or, I want to see the can rings. Yeah, I want it thing. to be homogenous, and I want it to be congealed. I told this story before, but well, not on here. But to <laughs> you, uh, we used to go to Rick's Cafe mm-hmm. of every, Greenwood in South Greenwood, Carolina. South Carolina. It was the best meat and three I've ever had, and uh, we used to go there every Sunday after church, and you'd get a meat and three and they had cranberry sauce that you could serve yourself. And they had these little ramekins that you could, you know, that any normal person would put the cranberry sauce, <laughs> you know, the the little center of your plate dollop of cranberry sauce. Mm-hmm. No, not this, not me. No. I said, I want more. <laughs> I said, I want all the cranberry sauce. And you sauce. took that so seriously. So, it got to be where, I mean, I was a little kid. It got to be where they would see me, and they knew I wanted lemonade, so they got me lemonade. And then the lady would hand me a to-go bowl. Like, you get a bowl of soup to go. She'd hand me a to-go bowl, styrofoam bowl, and I would 
fill that thing to the brim with cranberry sauce. And I would eat the entire thing every meal. And it was awesome. If I could have cranberry sauce with every meal, I would. Honestly, so this is another thing that I've told you, but I've never spoken about on the podcast, is that I had never really tried or gotten into cranberry. I I had tried it, but I had never gotten into it until we started dating. Um, And you loved cranberry. So I was like, okay, what's this about? And I trusted your opinion on food and wine and all the things that we do. And so I was like, well, if he likes this, then there must be something to it. So I started on Thanksgiving. I would, I would start getting the cranberry and eat it with my turkey. And you just eat it plain, but I eat it with my turkey. No, I don't want it on any. Sorry. I don't want it on anything. <laughs> I just so, want that shit by itself. Well, I realize like portion. why, because I see a lot of people put it on their turkey and stuff. Like that's yeah, kind of yeah. like that's, you put that's it with your meat. That's mostly what people do. Yeah. Well, and I realize now because most people's because turkey is dry ass turkey. Yeah, most people's turkey is awful, and you have to slather it in cranberry. So like, I fucking get it. Like I was amazed at how good it transformed the turkey to be. Now, last year when we had, because we have like my family's Thanksgiving, and then we have the Ridgeway family with um, Keller's mom and grandma and brother and everything. And Keller, he did a turkey on. How did you, what is it? like? You, I smoked it. You smoked it, yeah. I almost said steamed it. <laughs> <laughs> I like steamed turkey. <laughs> but no, he. I like boiled turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, God. But no, he, he smoked the turkey, and it was, I'm not lying to you. It was, and I've told him this so many times in person, it was the best turkey I've ever had. No cranberry needed. Cranberry was just like, I mean, it was literally the cherry on top. It was just like the perfect little addition, but you could eat the turkey by itself. Just you, you wanted more. And normally I'm like, get like one slice of turkey and then like 17 sides, you know, but no, it was amazing. And so this year he's going to do it for the, the both families. Thanksgiving is so great. I love Thanksgiving and it's coming up and I'm about, I know to, we're in Thanksgiving month. I'm about to go off. I know. And then, and this year I'm going to, cause normally I'm always like kind of shy about getting leftover. Or I always get like one plate for both of us and everybody, my Nana and my mom and everybody's like, get more, like take more. And I'm always like, no, no, it's fine. Oh, oh no, more. I'm taking more this year because I'm going to make Thanksgiving sandwiches. The after. best thing. Well, Thanksgiving is great. Yeah. And then the, the it, day after the week after. Yeah. It's just it's we the always gift end that up keeps having, on giving. Yeah. Because you have the turkey, yeah. you have the Thanksgiving yep. or the cranberry sauce, you have the dressing. Mm -hmm. Put that shit together for a it's week just, after it's Thanksgiving. Amazing. It's amazing. And it gets better the more longer it sits. It's oh, so good. We always end up getting it to go play and then heating it up like the day or two after and just sit and have like Thanksgiving part two, like at the house. My last bit on that last Thanksgiving, I ate an entire can of cranberry sauce. I don't even, maybe. And it, it wasn't, wasn't on Thanksgiving. It, no, no, it was it, like weeks after. <laughs> no, I think it was before because we had gotten a can of cranberry and I, I don't think it was last year. I think it was two years ago. With I nothing. We, I just opened a can of cranberry sauce and, and put it in a bowl and just ate the whole thing. I think so that you good. may have done this twice because I swear I remember you doing it in Greenwood. Times. But yeah, he'll just pop the can open, like the you know it looks like it's all 
the shape of the can still, and he'll put it in a bowl and just eat it. Yeah. All right, another question for you. Are you a cat person or a dog person? Um, I'm going to take the third option, say I'm an animal person, hmm. because I am. I love all animals. I have no, like, I'll take any animal in any shape, form, you can give it to me. Crocodile. But, yeah, I mean, I'll, I don't care. I don't discriminate. I mean, I'm not going to, like, keep it as a pet, but, like, I'll... I'll eat I'll, a crocodile. What? I'll eat one. You'll eat one? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think that's what we were talking about. <laughs> we weren't, but... but so we have two cats and they're like literally my children. I, I'm, I birthed them. Um, so they are my babies. So I do have like a special interest for cats and like I get cats. I have like the telepathy with them more than with dogs, but I also grew up having dogs and we had, um, a dog in our family from the time that I was like, probably five, all the way up until I was a junior in high school, named Jake, and he was a golden retriever, and he was, like, the best, like, all-American, blonde, golden retriever that you've ever seen. Like, just the sweetest. He was so protective of me and my siblings, and it was like, I mean, I was there when we had to put him down because he was just so old and in such bad shape, and it was the most devastating thing. So I... I love both. And in my dream world, we would have like a big piece of land and like, you know, a bunch of animals and chickens and cows and horses. And we would have our cats in the inside of the house and we'd have like one golden retriever or something and that can yeah. go in and out of the house. Yeah. So yeah. That's, yeah. I grew up with cats and dogs too. And you had little dogs and I grew up with big dogs and big yeah, I animals. I always had little dogs. Like yeah, you I, never rode a horse until we started dating. Oh God, no. Because we I have, mean, that's like another a, thing. We have horses on our property, our family property. We had like a school carnival that they had the horses like tied up to the little thing that the merry-go-round like yeah. the thing. And I rode that. You yeah. Know, but, but you I didn't, didn't really like ride it. a horse until your 30th no. birthday. Yeah. And I still, I mean, I didn't really ride one. I no, was but it kinda, was, you did. You got on it and you I got on top around. of one and moved from point A to point B. Yeah. But, <clears> but no, I, I. I, we have, we had horses and cows and we still, we don't have cows anymore, but we still have horses and donkeys and all the things. And so, yeah, but I grew up with, with dogs and cats. The cats were, the cats were outside and the dogs were inside. That's how I grew up. Mm, so okay. it's flipped. Yeah. Well, okay, we'll see. No. Our dog was inside no, that, and our cats went in and out of the house. Like, okay. No, our dog like, growing up, our dog was outside. I got a dog in college, and he was inside, and yeah. then a, and then after that we had him, and he was inside. Yeah, but our and he's first still inside. our first dog was outside, but was that puppy one, two, three, or four? <laughs> that was puppy one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he was he was my dude. I mean, I had such a strong bond with him. I remember after he died, like I was just crying mm-hmm. outside of my house. I was like. He was the only one who really got me. I remember I like, he you really, said that. He That's really so got sweet. Me. Yeah. <laughs> That's so sweet. And then the cats, like I would like throw them off the porch. Oh no! I mean, it was a, it wasn't a big porch, but still, that was mean. Yeah. But you know, uh, so I grew up a dog person, but now I've switched. Yeah. To where we. we we got our first cat mm-hmm. who's sitting beside me right now. Literally laying in Keller's lap right now as we're recording. Yeah, and then we got an, our second cat. And 
I love both, like you're saying now. I love dogs. I love cats. I love animals mm-hmm. in general. But, but yeah, I've, I've really become a, a cat person with these two cats. Yeah. They're just so cool. Sure. And the, 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 the first kitty, kitty, kitty number one. Big kitty. Big kitty. I mean, he's my homie. Oh, yeah. They're, I mean, he follows me everywhere. He sleeps besties. with me every night. Anytime I get on the couch, he's right there laid up on me. Mm-hmm. We just have a really strong bond. And I get cats now. I didn't get cats back then. Yeah. You have to, you have to like speak their language. You have to really get in their psyche and kind of, you know, they're, they're like, they're not, they're independent. They're, they're not just going to like play fetch with you. Yeah. And that's, I had to get past that. Cause I'm like, well, well shit, man. Like you have an animal, a pet, like you just, you tell it to go fetch or you tell it to sit. Or you you want to rub its head. Then you, it needs to come over here and let you rub its head. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and they don't discipline very, the same as as dogs do. That's a dog mindset mm-hmm. because a dog is your best friend, your companion. Mm-hmm. You know, very moldable mm-hmm. and just does whatever you say. Yeah. You know? And and that's a cool thing about having a dog. Mm-hmm. You can train them. You know, and they kind of mold into your personality and do what you want it to do mm-hmm. most most of the time. But cats, they have their own personalities. You have to accept them for who they are. Mm-hmm. They're going to be how they're going to be, mm-hmm. and you can't change them. No. And you can't really train them. I mean, you can. Some, some people have, but it's yeah. very difficult. Yeah. And uh, they're just their own little be- people. But I, I think that's what makes it special is, like, they – they love you because they love you. Like there's no, yes. like they have their own personality and they're going to take to you if they want to. It so makes when you they, feel that much more special when they do gravitate towards you. Cause you know, they're only doing it cause they want to. Yeah. Cause they don't, they, if they don't like our little kitty, she has like a special relationship with me, but like with Keller, she lets him pet her and stuff, but she's not going to like come and sleep with him at night. Yeah. that, that They only, do things if they really want to do it. So if yeah. they really take a liking force to them you, because that's just going to make them hate you. No. Let's move on, and I'm going to ask you a question now. Let me see. What is something you used to believe about relationships, but that you don't believe anymore? Used to believe about relationships that I don't believe, like romantic relationships. Yeah, I mean, I'm just leaving that open up for your interpretation. <clears throat> About any relationship, okay, friends, let's mm-hmm. just say, f- friends or family members, mm-hmm. um, a relationship with another person. I, I used to think, and I used to behave in this way, that you had to be nice to that person and agreeable and not make any stir to the point where I didn't voice my uh, uh, your true feelings or beliefs. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't speak up for myself. Mm-hmm. So, in certain relationships, when somebody and this can go for romantic relationships too, mm-hmm. when somebody was mistreating me or doing something that I didn't like. And not just like a pestering, annoying thing, mm-hmm. because because that's another thing about relationships. When you really love someone, and you're you know you're going to get married to that person, and you do get married or whatever, or you're with that person for a long a long time, you know that that y'all are different. They're going to do things that 
annoy you, yeah. you know, or, you know, just their own way of doing it. And you, you might not do that. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have to be okay with that. Yeah. You know, you, you can't just let it get under your skin. And you're like, yeah. why are you doing it that way? Well, that's, that's a big part of like long-term partnership love is a selflessness is that you have to accept choose, them yeah. for who they are. Yeah. You have to choose to accept whatever you, your perception of their flaws is. Yeah. So, but in, uh, in other relationships in the past, I've thought that I was kind of, I was kind of a doormat a little bit mm-hmm. where I, I, you know, somebody would do something to me that wasn't okay and behave in a way that wasn't okay and and crossed my boundaries. But I didn't speak up on behalf of myself. I didn't put up those boundaries verbally or non-verbally. I didn't put up, I didn't say, hey, you know, I love you, but you can't do this. You can't treat me this way. Mm -hmm. Um, it was and it was uh, not expressed, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of looked at it as anything they did, you know, I made them do it. It was my fault that they were treating me this way. Mm. What did I do to cause that reaction? Well, and that goes back to the guilt and the shame we talked about yeah. earlier. <laughs> what did I do to cause that reaction? You know, what can I do to mend this? You know, even if they mistreat me. I would just laugh it off and, uh you know, you know, there was certain times where friends or acquaintances would make jokes, like making fun of me Mm. and not my good friends, because that's what we do. We poke fun at each other and we roast each other. In a lighthearted, loving way. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what we do. Like, you know, that's what your family does. You know, we we poke fun at each other. Like, that means we love you. And and that's all cool. And you just got to you got to go with it, you know, and it's, it's fun. Yeah. And it's all out of love. But these were people who I didn't know like that. Yeah. You know, and they would say something that was demeaning to me, purposefully to hurt me. Mm. And, but they would laugh, Mm. you know, maybe. To try to like take the sting out of it. Yeah, you know, but we all knew the intention behind it. Yeah. So I would laugh, you know, as to not cause a stir, not make a scene, um, you know, not be that guy mm-hmm. to to cause a ruckus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that that's something I've learned about relationships is it's healthy to have boundaries. Mm. It's healthy to say this is not okay. Yeah. And to verbalize that and say, you know, I love you, but the buck stops here. You're not gonna do this. Yeah. I'm not gonna stand for this. Yeah. Um and it's something that you've taught me and I've had to learn for myself over the years is to create those boundaries for myself and not be disrespected mm-hmm. and stand up for myself mm-hmm. um, because I was just trying to be a nice guy and not, you know, even if somebody was saying some bullshit to me, not be the person that's like, Hey man, like what the fuck? That's not okay. Mm-hmm. Cause then everybody's like, what the hell? Like, we're just at a bar hanging out. Like, can't you be cool? Yeah. You know, I'm like, well, did you hear you what this dude just said it? to me? Yeah. You know, so I would just go along with it. Yeah. And just laugh and, and just be disrespected mm-hmm. because I didn't want to cause a scene. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even in 
relationships where I knew the person had a had an established relationship with them for years, mm. you know, if, if they would do something that I wasn't okay with, I'd be mad about it behind the scenes, but I never said to them, like, this is not okay, mm. and I'm going to stand up for myself. And I, I've had to learn that over the years. And, you know, I, I've lost some relationships because the other person couldn't come to terms with the fact that I had created those boundaries and that they couldn't manipulate or abuse me anymore. And, you know, they, they say, Oh, you changed whatever. I'm like, yeah, I did change, but for the better, I'm not letting you abuse me anymore. I'm not letting you do whatever you want to do to me or the people that I care about anymore. Yeah. And, um, so that's, that's what I've, that's one thing I've learned over the years. And I think, you know, the things that you just said, it, it definitely makes me think about a couple things. Um, one is that, you know, I've always sort of held this belief of like, why is it, why is it sometimes, obviously it depends who you're friends with and who the people you surround yourself with. But I find that in a lot of situations, it causes a worse reaction for you to stand up for yourself and set a boundary and and say no than what the person did to you so it's like if you're with your friends out at a bar or you're with your friends out at you know their house or whatever situation and someone says something to you that's kind of disrespectful if you were to just laugh about it no one would everyone would go back no one would say anything to that person no one would come you know no one would think about it but if you were to stand up and say wait that's not cool that kind of that didn't sit with me what do you mean by that you know then all of a sudden it's a problem for everyone there yeah and instead it's like why is it and then your friends are like why did you do that man yeah yeah it's it's why is it worse why does it cause more of a reaction for you to stand up for yourself than it than it is to be hurtful to someone. It's like why would why would the people around you, the people who care about you, not come to your defense and say, yeah. Or or in some situations, why would they not be the ones to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that wasn't cool. That yeah. was over the line. Yeah. That's one thing that always has you know, I, I've had this thought with me of like, that is so strange that the way our society works and that the way some some people and friend groups and things are is like, why, why do we accept that? And there's a lot of things that you get into with that. But another thought that I had was, I think it's so important to set boundaries and to stand up for yourself for so many reasons. But, um, one of them, like, as I'm hearing you talk about your situations in your life is that when you set a boundary with someone and you tell them, like, no, I don't accept this behavior. Not only are you protecting yourself and your peace and your life and your mental health, like all the good things, like you're setting up a space where it's like you, you will not tolerate this behavior anymore because you have so much self-respect and self-worth that that's, you can, you, that's crossing that for you. If you were to accept it, then it would be crossing a line for you. And obviously there's situations where it's like some somebody who's very insecure, somebody who, you know, th- there's situations where it's like, okay, that that you 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 say what you want. 
I know myself so well. I'm so secure in myself. I have so much self-worth that the things that you say don't bother me and I can walk away from it. Obviously, there's a lot of times where that is super important to know. But there's some situations where setting a hard boundary, not only what I was going to say is not only sets you up for a better mindset and peace, but also sometimes it can cause that person it can force them to face accountability and it can force them into a sort of a self-awareness where they're like, okay, well clearly they're upset about what I said. What did I say? You know, that wasn't right. really that bad. And maybe it can cause that self-reflection in them. Where Sometimes. Some, not every time. And you know, like I said, this is not for everyone, but this, I think this applies more to your interpersonal relationships with people. But yeah, just one last bit on that. Like, I found it easy to stand up for my friends. So mm. if somebody was disrespecting my friends, yeah, then I felt like you know a lot of times I I did a decent job of standing up for them. Yeah, and it was easy for me to be like, whoa, like what the hell is your problem, man? Yeah, you just disrespected my friend, or you just said that. Like, who you know, what are you doing? Yeah. But when it came to myself, I couldn't, you know, give that same energy as. And I think that, like, what I was saying is a lot of, a lot of the reason why we tolerate certain behavior. Again, it doesn't apply to everyone, but I think a lot of the reason why we do it has it goes back to our own, like our own self worth. Like, do we think that we're an important, loved, good person? You know, if if you have a confidence and, and security. Yeah. You know? If you really value yourself and you think like I'm a good person and I have a lot to bring to this world and not in like an arrogant or cocky way, but that you have true self-worth, then there are certain things that you won't allow. There are certain behaviors that you just won't tolerate. And I think that when you're in a place of insecurity or self-loathing or, um, you know, or lack of self-worth that I think that, that's when you find that it can be hard to set up boundaries and to have, you know, to know when to say no to people. And I've got, I mean, I've been there so many times and, or I've, you know, been on the other side of it where I've reacted too harshly. I've, I've lashed out at people, but you know, I think that everything you said was, was great to that answer. Yeah. So moving on. Are you a pajama sleeper or a naked sleeper? I mean, I already know the answer, but. <laughs> well, so I right now um, I'm a naked sleeper, but I did not used to be. Um, throughout my entire life, again, until we started, I, like years into us dating and then getting married, um, I changed to a naked sleeper, but it was like a slow progression of losing clothing. So like <laughs> yeah. throughout high school and, um, college, I was a heart, like I would wear t-shirt and shorts. And so much of that had to do with the fear of like my mom waking me up in the morning or coming into my room, with my dad and seeing like my titty pop out or something. And my mom used to jerk off the covers when I well, was getting up for school. My mom would do that too. Or she would come in and she, you know, whatever she would, she'd turn the lights on or whatever. And I had this awful fear of like my boob being out and like my dad seeing it or my mom seeing it. Cause 
I was a extremely, extremely modest um, teenager. And I mean, even to this day, I've gotten better, but I was modest to the point of like, like I said, like sleeping in full clothes, bra and underwear at times because I had just was terrified. Like my worst fear was like dying in the shower because then my family would have to find my naked body because I was just very insecure about my body and the way that my body looked. And, um, I had a lot of deep rooted body image issues. So I had a real fear of being naked or like if the house caught on fire in the middle of the night or there was an emergency or like a, you know, a serial killer came into my room. Like I didn't want to be naked in that moment. And then when we started dating, it would be like a t-shirt, no bra and underwear, you know? And then like a couple years in, it would be like, you know, just underwear, you know? And then eventually it'd be like trying to be naked a few nights and I'd feel so exposed and so vulnerable. And then eventually you know, fully, fully nude. And I feel, <laughs> I feel free now, but I also think that there was, you're my husband. So it's like, I am okay being naked around you. And I feel like, I don't feel like vulnerable or exposed around you. I just feel like myself. It doesn't feel like I'm naked. Um, cause I, I don't care if you see me naked, obviously, but I also, there's an element of like when we're at home in our bedroom, at night, I don't worry about, I feel more protected. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I don't worry as much about like, Oh, if someone breaks into our house and sees me naked and like, I have to fight them off by myself. It's like, you're beside me. And so mm-hmm. I feel like if you weren't, if you had to go out of town for something, I would probably sleep with clothes on again. Really? Yeah. Or like at least underwear. Yeah. I don't, it's, I don't know. It's probably an insight into my psyche. Yeah. Uh, I had a uh, lot of problems with nudity growing up. Like my mom hasn't seen me naked since I was like three years old. <laughs> yeah, I was I was the same way. I, I still kind of I, I I was very modest. Yeah, and I still am very modest. Yeah, and uh, so growing up, I used to wear boxers to sleep mm-hmm. or underwear. Yeah, and uh, see what, well, and I had boobs, so it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I wore boxers to sleep growing up, and I don't know, it was just, I felt too exposed Mm -hmm. when I was naked. Way too exposed. Like I said, it took until we started, we were like years into our relationship for me to try sleeping naked. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't walk around the house naked Mm -hmm. or... No. Definitely like, not. Definitely I didn't do that until I let my parents we were... or my brother see me naked. Like, oh God, no! Wasn't gonna happen. And I didn't even want the ghost seeing my dick. No, no, God, no! <laughs> ghost in my closet. So I'd wear boxers to sleep. But now I'm definitely a naked sleeper. Yeah, but like I said, I just I don't like, feel I don't feel exposed when I'm with. It's you. It's just a freedom. It just feels so good to be in the covers. And I like having like the skin to skin contact with you. Like I like our skin touching when we're under the covers. Like we cuddle and we get all warm and cozy. Yeah, I'm definitely a naked sleeper now. <clears throat> I remember one time when I was a kid, my grandma telling me that my grandpa slept naked. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> was it that came like up. traumatizing for you oh, or something? Oh God! <laughs> I, I don't know how it came up, but but she was like, she was like, yeah. Well, she's like, well, yeah, you know. Pop sleeps naked, mm-hmm. so da 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 da. You know, she just like kept on going with the conversation, mm-hmm. and I was still back there, you know, and I was 
you know, when she said he slept yeah, naked. You, you just heard like the, the like wah 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 after she said that. Oh, it was just tunnel vision. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, ew. I was, I was just, I was like, oh god, I don't know. It was just you know, image of my naked grandpa. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm never gonna sleep naked, but now I do. Yeah. But yeah. let me ask you a question now. All right, all right. So. What do you wish you had spent more time doing five years ago? Five years ago. Um, I mean, always, you know, you wish you would spend more time with your family, especially when a loved one passes away. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, you wish you had more time. You wish you'd spent more time with your family and mm-hmm. with, with them, with that person. Um, But like on a, Selfish level, I would say, like, I wish I would have spent more time practicing music, like practicing guitar, uh, writing songs, um, you know, just so I'd be, I'd be better at that now, you know, learning recording software, um, putting myself out there, mm-hmm. you know, getting a, a start, an early start on that because yeah. that's that's what I love doing. That's my like craft yeah. and my art that I like doing. And it's like getting um, more into your craft. Yeah, do, you know, yeah, get, get, getting it, better. Writing. Yeah, becoming better at your craft. Mm. So I I'd say that practicing guitar and writing songs and playing playing music. Okay, that's a good answer. That's kind of what I figured you would say, but I I did want to hear like what your actual words would be. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean of course like spending time with more time with your family and friends. I mean Of course. You're always gonna say that when people die or yeah. you know, move away. Yeah. You say, I wish I would have spent more time with them. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Okay. My next question. What is I'm trying to figure out how to frame this. Mm-hmm. I have it written down. What's the happiest you've ever been? But I, I would also, I would, you know, tie on to that. Like, essentially the same question. What is, what is a, one of the happiest memories that you have? The best memories that you have mm-hmm. that you look back on it, and you can see it. You're you're there. You can visualize it, and you just think how content. I was how happy you were in that moment. What's one of those that sticks out? Apparently, my theme for this entire like every question that you give me is like I'm not going to be able to just say one. I have to say at least two. Um, so the first one that instantly came to mind, and I, I'm just kind of just going to go with my gut on this and not do like too much. I'm not going to overthink it too much. Um, is like family beach vacations. Oh yeah, those are always good times. Because, and and I'm talking like pre high school, like middle school, elementary yeah. school, where it's like you're so young and so naive, like you have no idea what life is going to hand you. You don't even think about that. All you think about is like going down to the beach and like the 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 best thing and like the 
funnest thing that we could do is like go to the little bar, the little beach bar and get a virgin strawberry daiquiri or a virgin margarita. And like, we thought that was so cool. And like the same applies for like going to Disney when we were young, you know, we would, we'd always stay at the Polynesian resort and there was a little pool and a, um, a little bar there. And we would always go take our little Disney card, you know, cause you had a certain amount of drinks on it. And we thought we were so cool doing that. And we would go up there and we would get our little virgin daiquiri and we'd go by the pool. And it was like, and they had a little snack bar in the hotel. So, and it was open 24 hours a day and they had like candy and just snacks. And it was like, so it was the coolest thing as a kid where you knew you were in a safe environment and your parent, and especially back then, like, you know, early 2000s, like very, very early 2000s, where your parents, they would just kind of let you go and do because there's security cameras and hotel staff. And obviously I wouldn't do that now, but they would let us go and we would, we would, you know, we'd go walk around the hotel and we'd go to the little snack bar. And there was something that was so like, just like fleeting about that. It was such a fleeting moment in time, but it's so pure and so innocent. Um, with no worries about what's going on in your life. There's no like fear of, there's no, nothing hanging over your head. You're not worried about what the next day brings. You're only worried about what you're doing in the moment. Um, and I think that that's the, like the, just the lack of, of caring about greater things, like just being in the moment. That's, you take that for granted as an adult because now as an adult, it's like you have to fucking work hard to be in the moment. That's like a, it's a workout to try to remember to be present in your daily life. So to be in the place when, and obviously not everyone was fortunate to have that. There's a lot of kids who were in terrible situations and, you know, didn't have parent figures and didn't have stable home lives where unfortunately they grew up very fast and that you know, it hurts me so deeply because I feel so fortunate to have had times in my life where I was blessed with just the simple joys and simple pleasures. So that's definitely something that stands out in my mind is like family vacations, you know, Disney, going to Daytona. Um, I also think that... Uh, like another really happy time would be I think like the first like month that we started dating um and obviously like I'm, I'm thinking about like another like other ones that were like our wedding weekend and different t you know like when we went to see the Star Wars <clears throat> Symphony and different times there's lots of different things when we went to San, San Francisco was like to me that wasn't even just happiness I was like pure peace so mm -hmm. that's like a different feeling um, I felt so just like calm and at peace when we went to San Francisco, that was like the best trip ever. Mm -hmm. But when we went to, or that first month, I should say, when we were dating like August, um, and into September, it was so, um, th there's nerves associated with it, obviously, because you're like, Oh, this is a new relationship. Like, I hope that he likes me back and everything. And I hope that this is going to work out but you're also just living in the moment, you know, yeah. you're just living for every text message, for every phone call, every trip to see each other. It's, you're so 
you're anticipating like that next conversation so deeply and you're not thinking about the past. You're not worrying about what has happened for me. And so that like first like two months of like our first month of our relationship was like just so happy. And I look back on it with so many um, fond memories. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch that stand out for me too, like like that, like what you're saying, um, like our buddy Will's wedding. Oh yes, that was, was really like such an amazing weekend. That like we were together, and all uh, of our friends, all were of there. our friends are there, you know, in one room, and it, there's so much love in the mm. air, and mm-hmm. I get there's emotional like at weddings anyway. Oh yeah, um, I don't know. It was just. We danced, like, all fucking night. We stayed there two nights. Like, we were drunk as fuck both nights. Like, everyone was. We were dancing. We were just, like, just so, like, we were up all night. Yeah, there's there's so much love in the air. Yeah. And it, it was a It was really definitely like a capsule. Time. But, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like mine are the same, and I think, there's something to that childhood innocence and naivety that, you know, is a sign that you had a good childhood if your fondest memories are of childhood. And like you said, a lot of people don't get to experience that. Um, but, but, yeah, mine would be this, the same thing. It would be those beach trips with my family when I was a kid, you know, going to the campground and getting settled and riding my bike around the campground and going to the beach and going to play putt-putt and going out to eat and, you know, just being a kid with my brother and my parents Mm -hmm. and just living for the moment. I mean, living for whatever was happening then and was immediately about to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, we're going down to the beach. This is awesome. And then we're leaving the beach. Like, what are we doing tonight? We're going to play putt putt. Oh, this is going to be awesome. It's like that thing we were talking and about where you have to pause your life. Like there's no, you only worry about like what you're going to do the, that day. Yeah. And then we're playing putt putt. I'm like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And we're leaving the putt putt and we're like, Oh man, I sucked, and I beat yeah. you, and you suck. And, and go back to the house. And then what and are we doing next? Oh, we're going to Krispy Kreme. Yeah. 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 So that you know, really fond memories of the beach. I, my my family went to the beach for their vacation. Yeah. Dirty Myrtle, shout out <laughs> Dirty Myrtle. Um. Yeah, I I guess we went <clears throat> once a year. Yeah. Which is nice, but. uh but yeah, mine would be the same. It would be mm-hmm. those childhood memories of trips and being with your family. and mm-hmm. Those are really, really good memories. Yeah. For sure. Well, that actually kind of works perfectly with a question that I have on my list that I wanted to ask you, which is um, what is your favorite memory with your dad and why? So there, there's a lot of good memories that he was – uh, involved with I mean what like I was in the marching band and he was in the pit crew which meant he was a parent 
that would come and help with our equipment and you know he would chaperone us on the school trips and uh yeah he he was there every competition every home game everything that we did he was there mm. and not just as an onlooker he was an active participant mm. you know he was loading up the trucks with us at night he was pushing the vibraphones on the field you know he was he was part of the band you know and there was a group of dads that did that mm -hmm. and he was one of them and uh yeah he, he didn't have to do that you know a lot of parents they weren't involved i mean they're you'd be lucky if they came to one competition yeah and he was there for all of them yeah and uh those are those are good memories associated with him you know like, like I said it wasn't like me and him just hanging out mm -mm. but he was there for those yeah and th those are fond memories for me just yeah. the band and yeah. the competitions and the bus rides and my friends and to have my dad there with me was made it that much sweeter and it know? shows how like not only how hard-working he is but how self less he is like he sacrificed his time and his effort and his energy just because he wanted to support you oh yeah and I mean you know we had this thing where he'd be on the couch watching tv and I'd come over and I'd scratch his head or I'd rub his hand you know we had a very physical relationship mm -hmm. which is I didn't think it was but apparently it's unique you know uh, between a father and a son. I think it's personally, I think that it is very unique because a lot of uh, male relationships don't involve like physical intimacy. Yeah. Mother and daughters, like you expect that. And ours was a lot of that. I mean, that's, that's, that was really our love language was me scratching his head, him scratching my head, him giving, rubbing my back or scratching your my hands. back. Me doing that to him, yeah, him rubbing my hands, like me laying on him on the couch, like mm -hmm. we were very, you know, physical, yeah, with one another, and uh, those are, those are great moments because yeah. that's how, because we we weren't a talker talker like we we weren't talkers we weren't a talking family that, you know, said, you know, I hope you know like I love you so much. I mean, he did say that too. For yeah. sure, but we but didn't, you didn't go on like you, we didn't have like deep conversations really. Yeah, it was, you know, how he showed me he loved me was, you know, more of that rubbing my hand or giving me a long hug or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and same for me. That's how I showed him that I loved him was scratching his head for an hour, mm -hmm. you know. And he'd be like, oh, this was, you know, mm -hmm. he like he always said. I'd pay you to do this. Mm -hmm. I remember he even, he would even do that t with me. Um, he would, he would always like, we would sit down on the couch with him and he'd be sitting there in his green robe and he'd, he'd start scratching my head or he'd start, he'd grab my hand and he'd like give a little, little hand massage or he would like, he'd stand up behind the couch and I'd sit on it and he'd like rub my shoulders a little bit, you know, and that was always, that was very special. Yeah, so those those are good. I don't know if I have a favorite memory. I, I can't but think just like of one right now. But, yeah, just there's a lot of good memories involving him. 
But yeah, that, those those are definitely some of them. Is those moments of me standing behind the couch and scratching his head. Yeah. You know. And I know that you mentioned to me like he would always do his his hand on your forehead and like rub back. And, like, that would always put you right to sleep. Oh, uh, yeah. And that was, like, a good thing that he would do. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we we would take drives together, and uh, we would fish mm-hmm. together, you know. And, and, and sometimes it would it would just be me and him, you mm-hmm. know. And those are all great. Yeah. You know. But I, to me, uh, what stands out in my mind is those just – Sitting on the couch. Everyday moments of, like, sitting on the couch and just him rubbing my hand. Yeah. You know, that meant more to me than, you know, us going fishing together. Yeah. Or doing some activity together. Yeah. You know, j- just personally. Yeah. I mean, some some people would say, me and my dad would go hunting every, you know, every weekend or we'd go fishing all the time. You know, those were, those moments were great. But with him, it was... Just him rubbing my hand, it was so deep. Mm. And there was so much love that I think those are the moments that stand out to me and mean mean the most to me. Well, and I think that it shows how much he loved you because not, you know, not everyone is like this, but I think that a lot of people say, oh, that trip I took with my dad or this time that I did that with my dad because the everyday experience with their dad isn't, like, that profound or that deep. So it's like you have to go on a trip to experience that level of profound father-son love. But for you, you got it every single day or just in, like, an everyday casual passing moment, mm-hmm. you got to experience this very profound, impactful level of love between y'all. And I think that it just, it speaks to how much he was so, so, you know, so loved you. Yeah. And we, we, uh, when I was little, we'd go out and throw the football or throw the baseball a lot. We did that a lot. Mm-hmm. We'd go throw the baseball or throw the football around. And, uh, those are good times too, because mm-hmm. uh, we'd we'd do that. Well, All right, I, I like your answer. Next question. Let me see. What character traits do you have of your mother? Would you say that you have of hers? Um. I think that we both like to take naps. <laughs> we both like the dark. Um, we both suffer from depression and anxiety. Um, I think that my mom is a nurturer. I think that she's like very motherly and very nurturing and empathetic. Um, and I, I think that I'm that way. I think that I'm a nurturer and kind of like motherly. And whenever my siblings were all born, I'm the oldest, I was always like very nurturing and wanted to take care of them and wanted to be like a little mother to them. So I think that those things are true. You are very maternal by nature. You have very maternal instincts. Yeah, like I, I want to take care 
of people and I want I and like it's not just like actual like physical things like I want to like have like a soul connection with you like I want to like sit down and like talk to you and like I want you to like I want people to come to me and like tell me all your problems and like we can like fix it together you know it's like the way that you would like call your mom you're like mom like this happened like I need your advice like I like I I like love when I have that connection with somebody it makes me feel so fulfilled as a person um I think that I feel like your mom is like she is a mother like she's a mother yeah She's a lot more like organized. Yeah, she's Ma- like, she's Mama Laura. Laura. Yeah. I even have her saved on my phone, and my phone is Mama Laura. <laughs> well, that's I mean that's how she that's what she is like. She's always talked about being a mom as like her like number one thing that she wanted in life. Yeah, and that that implies like taking care of people, a, a level of selflessness, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like she, sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. She she's very. She, she wants to take care of others mm-hmm. and very like hard working too, like underappreciated hard work, oh, you know, yeah. because like people take, people take for granted, like the work of like a stay at home mom or just a mom in general, because it's like, Oh, that's what you're supposed to do. But it's like, no, like there's a lot of shit mothers who don't do anything for their kids or who do the bare, the bare minimum. So moms who go above and beyond, it's like, Man, like we really need to appreciate that because they, they don't ha- they don't have to do that, you know. Yeah. They do it because they care and because they want to. Yeah. Um, I think that those things are true. I think that we are both like talkers. Like we we like to talk and express our feelings through talking it out. Um, you know, if we have like really strong emotions, we have to get on the phone and talk about it. Mm-hmm. We have to get it out of our system. Yeah, I always like for you to call your mom when something exciting happens, mm-hmm. or because I want to hear her reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any she always has a good reaction. Yeah, it's like any time that anything goes on in my life, like I call you first, and then I call my mom, and then I call Anna, my sister, and it. So it's like. I have to get everybody's reaction and I have to talk about it. I have to get it out of my system. And so, yeah, anytime anything like big is going on in me and Keller's life, we always are like, I'm like, let me call my mom. And then we sit there and we like wait for her response. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. You, yeah. you do one. Okay. What would a 20 year old Keller think of our relationship slash marriage right now? Hmm. Well, he'd be surprised. <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah, he'd be like, right like if you bat. had, if instead of me sitting here right now, 20-year-old Keller was sitting here right now. Yeah. And he'd you, be like, I got married? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he would be surprised because I never thought that I would get married, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just always thought that I would just be the bachelor guy mm-hmm. but when I think when I talked to him and, and described what I have now he would be very happy yeah just just really happy and just say wow I, I didn't even know that was possible mm. and that's uh 
that's really awesome that we found that and um yeah do you think it would do you think like 20 year old keller would be like like not scared but like shocked or like do you think he do you think a 20 year old keller would be like what like what do you mean we like we settle down he's like you really found somebody that would put up with your ass (laughs) like wow Kind what of going, unlucky sap is this? No, no. Kind of going along that same thought. What would, what would a twenty-year-old Keller think about me as your wife? Uh, he'd be like, "Nice." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that twenty-year-old Keller would say that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He'd be like, I feel like I, in my opinion, I feel like I, I would be very unexpected to a twenty-year-old Keller. Like, I feel like if you got to sit down and be like, so this is what happened in our life. Like, you found the person you married when you were 27, but you you didn't get married until you were, what, 31? 47. (laughs) (laughs) Until you were 31, and you're 32 right now. And, um, yeah, like, this is is who you married, and... This is what she's like, and this is the like the life that you have now. Like, would yeah, you? He, I think he'd be he'd be happy for us, <laughs> for me, <laughs> um, because the the level of contentment uh, that I am with you and mm-hmm. in our relationship, and the level of maturity that I've found. Um, is something that he would look up to mm. and something that he wanted. Mm. And so he would be really happy. Mm. What about like really lucky. 25-year-old Keller? Because you, you, we met when you were 27. I don't know. About the same. About the same. About the, I didn't mature until <laughs> Well, no, I just, later, cause I just wanted, because like 20-year-old you was in college. Yeah. And 25-year-old you I didn't really was think like about working age. at I didn't really hear the age you said. I, d- I just thought like younger Keller. Oh, okay. Well, I, 20 was the initial yeah, question. I was just thinking like younger Keller. Yeah. yeah. All right, I got two more for you. And they're, they're more on the serious side. If you are known for one thing in your life, what would that be for? God. Um, my like self-loathing, self-critical, like, insecure brain immediately is like you're a piece of shit and everybody hates you <laughs> i'm on i'm be, i'm just being honest right now like truly like when you ask me that immediately my brain goes like no one cares about you no one likes you you're a, a terrible oh, person that's not true i know but i'm just being honest and saying that's exactly where my brain goes to is that like i'm not a good person and i'm well, not what's a what's a good thing a positive thing that you feel like you're you may be known for your your legacy, your impact. I think if there was anything that people would say about me when I'm gone was that I always tried to take care of the people that I love. That yeah. I was always like emotionally available and I always tried to be I always tried to make myself as um, available as possible to the people that I love. Yeah, you you like are a, very emotionally available to people that are in your life. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, if, if somebody tells you something that they're going through, you know, you're, you're going to listen and you're going to feel, not only listen, but you're going to feel what they feel and put yourself in their shoes and really empathize to the deepest level mm-hmm. of what they're going through and, and be there with them and, yeah. and feel that with them. And sometimes, like, to my own detriment, sometimes I get so, like, my closest friends and family, like, sometimes I'll get so upset about a situation that they're going through that I, like, take on, I feel like I need to be their warrior. I need to be their champion. And I've, I've put myself in situations where it was like I should have just – been there for them and that would have been enough I think if I had to say anything that I I try to be there as much as I can for the people that are around me and honestly just just strangers too like people that will see not strangers but like uh, yeah strangers but also like people that we see out you know in Greenwood or in Anderson or in Greenville like we go and talk to them like I try to have a conversation and try to make them feel like they're important and that you yeah. know that they're loved and valued. Yeah, that's why waitresses never look at me when they come to the table. They well, always I just also look at you. I have a thing about like making eye contact with and people. And I do too. I I, I, do I the same always thing. try to have I'm a like moment. you know, I'm I'm going to the love is going to be yeah, shooting gonna, out of my gonna, eyes yeah. at this person. I'm going to have telepathy love with them once And then I they just never contact. look at me. They're just like, "Yeah, whatever." I think that I think that there's a certain level of like I'm a woman and it's easier to it's like I'm less threatening just like because just of, you know, stereotypes about men and women. Well, yeah, I think that's very accurate and that's a a very, well, uh, I need to work on the self-loathing part of it because my brain is like, feels like I'm just saying like, I'm like, "Eh, yeah, I say that, but I'm like, everybody hates me and I'm, I know. Okay. If you looked into the heart of your enemies, and I say enemies in quotes because enemy is like an outdated word, but you know what I mean. If you looked into the heart of your enemies, what do you think you would find that is different from what is in your own heart? So I, I don't think that there would be a lot of difference. Hmm. Um, I think that everybody, I'm a big believer that everybody is born good, um, that at our purest uh, self, our purest heart is good. Um, and I think that everybody has the capability of doing bad things, but that's not coming from their heart of hearts, their true nature. I think that everybody's true nature is good, but I think that... Um, my enemies or people who have done me wrong. Yeah, I said, that's why I say behave, enemies in quotes. Behaved yeah. badly. Uh, you know, I, I look at their behavior as not really their purest self. So I don't think there's much difference in our hearts. Mm. I think that everybody has the capability of being Mother Teresa or a saint mm-hmm. and the devil mm-hmm. you know or whatever i think everybody has it has the capability of being good and bad um 
but I think the difference and why they have behaved badly and, and done That's things. That's what I was about to ask you is what then yeah, if they if in their purest hearts me. is that way, then why do they act the way they do? Yeah. I mean, I think fear has a lot to do with that. People act out, behave badly, um, put other people down to protect themselves, uh, to make themselves feel better. I think that fear has a little bit to do with that. Fear of hurt, fear of rejection, fear of... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and like, and like, enough, and like anger and behaving badly when you're angry. Like anger is based in fear. What causes people to act out, to act badly to other people? Because I feel the same way in some ways as you. Like I do think that everyone is born, you know, in one. Like we're all born with a clean slate. Mm. But I think that I don't completely follow your train of thought i respect the way that you think and i understand exactly where you come from i I think it's nurture Mm. that makes us behave badly and see i think it's both i don't think that it's one or the other i think that both nature and nurture play a role because i have met people who have hurt me and who have acted out badly towards me and then when I sort of reflect on that, you realize like that person was acting out of fear or their own insecurity or their own misery inside themselves. You know, they have a problem within themselves. And so they lash out at you because either they're jealous of you or they have something that you want. The list goes on and on, or they're intimidated by you, whatever it is. Um, But I think that there are, like, I have met people, not a lot of people, um, so I do want to say that. I think that most people are good, and I think, like you said, I think that most people just make bad decisions, and they choose to make bad decisions, and so that becomes a part of their pattern and their cycle, their karma that they, that, you know, that ping pong ball that they keep going down, they keep making bad choices, but... I I kind of stray a little bit from you and that I think that there are some people who I always have hope that they will break out of their karmic cycle. But I do think that there are some people who are on that endless loop. They actually, Duncan was actually talking about this on the podcast that we listened to. He called it, it, it's a, it's a um, Buddhist belief and it's like you get stuck on this cycle of constantly endless. It's it's forever. It's infinite mm-hmm. of making um, the same choices over and over and over and over again. Samsara. Yes, yeah. yes. And so I, I think that there are people who are stuck in that samsara and that they have not only become the choices that they have made, but that they... Um, adapt their lifestyle and and their their purpose for life around that. And it's like when you when you talk about like narcissists or like you know violent offenders, or you talk about people who you know make. It, we're not talking. I'm not talking about people who like 
made a few really bad mistakes who like really fucked up a few times. I'm talking about people who have like a pattern of hurtful behavior of of people who, you know, every relationship they get in is with a married man or a married woman. Every, every, you know, friendship they get in with is toxic. Every, everybody they like they're a narcissist and every person that they date is like narcissistic supply to them, you know, or they act out in violent offensive ways that these are the people that I'm talking about. Um, I think that they're stuck in that karmic loop where they're like, they, they haven't woken up. They haven't woken up. They haven't. And and, and some of them will never. Yeah. I think you can become a bad person. Uh, especially what I'm trying to say is I think we're all born good. Yeah. But through your through repetitive bad actions, mm-hmm. bad behaviors, and you patterns, can, you can become a bad person because yeah. you just, if you're just doing bad behaviors all the time, then you know you, you become a yeah. bad person. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of like deception and manipulation that goes on in those people's lives where. It's um, it's a real effort to continue to make those bad choices. It's not like I made a bad choice and I feel remorse over it, and a couple years later I made another bad choice. This is, you know, a lifestyle pattern of behavior. And so yeah. I do think that there are people who are bad people who are stuck in a very vicious well, It's almost cycle. like they're... They they're they're hopeless and they're doubling down. Yes, that's they're that's exactly like, what I think. Well, it's fuck like, it, I, I've already done this. I'm you know, I'm just gonna keep doing it because I don't care. I don't care about people. Or sometimes it's not even that feelings. they don't care. Sometimes I feel like it is more like they they're so miserable on the inside that they can't stand the thought of other people being happy around them. Yeah. And so it's like I'm going to do things that make sh- that like inflict my inner turmoil on other people. You know what I mean? I'm going to make you hurt like I'm hurting. Yes. They, they lash out and, and sometimes in like really offensive, hurtful, yeah. hurtful ways. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know about serial killers or mass murders, you know, or you know, Hitler's. I'm not, I'm, I don't know about that. That's a totally different thing. But, you know, I'm just talking about, you know, People that we've come in contact with, just like, you know, just shitty people. Yeah. You know, that that's that's done shitty things. Well, I definitely believe in that samsara loop. Yeah. That I, I think that's vicious cycle. I, I, I go I see like a scared little child a lot of times. Yeah. It's like it's like, you know, you don't know what you're doing. I mean, that that doesn't make it right. That doesn't justify it. But it can give you peace of mind because then you can you can say, okay, this is someone who has so much shit going this on inside a, of them right now. Yeah, this is a scared, hurt, confused individual. Yes. And the, and they and they're clearly lashing they haven't out. Haven't figured out it out that. yet that you know we're all connected and we're all the same and it's all love. Well, all. that's what Duncan was saying. It's like the way that you get out of that is by waking up and 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 realizing like. <clears throat> Oh, like there's so much more. Yeah. There's so much more than this like dimension that we live in. Like I don't have to keep choosing to do the same stuff over and over and over and over again. I think that everything you were saying about 
when you realize like, oh, that there's, there is like a small child underneath the layers and layers of like fucked up decisions and like hurt that they've done. And it's, that's when you realize like, okay, this is how I can walk away from this is because this is a person who's so hurt, who has made so many bad decisions. Like they have to deal with that. That's not my baggage to carry. That's not my hurt and my burden to carry anymore. And I need to leave them to their devices and leave them to their choices. And all you can do is hope that they do wake up and realize like they don't have to continue doing that stuff anymore. Yeah. If if, if I'm going to believe that all kids are good, all, you know, if you're, all babies are good. If you're born that way, then, you know, my question is, you know, okay, what happened? Mm. What, you know, what went wrong mm-hmm. that's causing you this pure love and light being, mm-hmm. conscious being, to behave in this way? Mm. You know, what, what happened to yeah. you or yeah. what happened, what, what went wrong <clears throat> along the way? Yeah. Because I do believe that everybody is good. I don't think a baby is evil you yeah. know i think a baby is yeah. inherently good yeah <clears throat> so, so yeah. i had one more question okay and then i'll ask you my last question after you okay i had one more question but before that i have one little pre-question okay you have a pre-question all right <clears throat> real quick <laughs> I just, this would be funny if there's one thing you could change about me what would it be my initial gut re- reaction was nothing because I don't like the idea of, like, me changing you. I like the idea of, like, whatever you think you need to change about yourself comes from within, like, inner growth. Yeah. Um, but, like, if we're talking on, like, a funny level, if we're talking on just, like, a whatever, I would say I wish that you would, like, verbalize to me more. I wish mm-hmm. that you would use your words. Yeah, yeah. And you told me that. Yeah, we, we've already talked about that part of it, that I wish that. Because, like, you're a very, like – I will do things for you all day, and that's my love language. And I I do appreciate that so much. But mm-hmm. I'm a talker. And and I, I talked like, about the physical touch thing. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll hug you and hold your hand all day long, but it's it's harder for me to verbalize. Yeah. You know how I feel. Yeah, and like before you, and and during you, it's always been like very natural for me to talk and to express my emotions through that form. Um, but like physical touch did not come like easy to me before we met. And now it's like very easy, you know, now I want to touch you all the time, but in past relationships, physical touch was like not a priority for me. Like I want to like hug you and be all over you and lay all over you now. Like every night I have to like wrap our legs up just to go to sleep. So I need to talk more. I said, well, my first answer was nothing. And then I said, if we're going to be like on a funny ha ha level, then I, then I would say, I wish that you would talk to me a little bit more. All right. And I'll end on this one. If I died tomorrow, what would you remember me for? Mm. God, I'm like, that just hit me like a freaking sack of bricks. Um... Why am I, like, literally about to cry, Jesus? I think that I would remember two things. One, I would remember how you made me feel about myself. I would know that, one, it's possible to be loved completely and fully, um, and that that love is real. Um, It's not always easy. It's not always perfect. But that it is 100% real. 
that true destiny, fate, soulmates, whatever you believe in, it's real. And there's someone out there who's going to make you feel so loved, so appreciated that your every relationship before that is going to look like dust. Um, and adding on to that is that you have given me the like the ability to see so much self-worth and confidence and peace and love within myself that I had the tools there before you. And, and I think I'm a big believer that you don't need to have a person to show you these things. I think that I would have gone on a journey at some point in my life and would have found these things if we had never met. I do believe that. But I think that you definitely fast-tracked that for me and that you showed me, Lauren, like one, you don't have to believe every thought that comes into your brain. You don't have to believe that you don't have to be so consumed by your anxieties and your thoughts and your, all the things that go on, but also that you are full of love, that you are loved, that you're a beautiful, kind, good human being and that you're important and you've always made me feel important. You've always made me feel loved. You've always made me feel beautiful and appreciated. And I've never had all of those things in one relationship before. Um, so I would, I would know, like I would be able to have like the confidence and the security that you gave me and that our relationship gave me. I would be, like, I would feel like I lost my home and my, and I wouldn't have, like, the safety and the security that our relationship brings me anymore. You would sleep with your underwear on again. Probably. <laughs> that's, like, a great <laughs> metaphor for it. That's that's probably true. I'd probably sleep with my clothes, jeans. Like, I'd probably sleep with everything on again. But, um I think secondly is that I would I would remember what it's like like you've shown me such good examples of true friendship of true long-lasting friendship of how friends can persevere and beat the odds, you know, like your friendships with your closest friends have not always been perfect. You've had moments and fuck ups and rough patches, but y'all were still friends and you still actively want to be in each other's lives. And y'all have all had tiffs. You've had fights, you've had cat fights, you know, you've had things, but like y'all still love each other so deeply. And all of those things made you love each other more. And I think that that's such a valuable lesson is the way that you um, appreciate the people that in your life and the way that you really value your friendships and that they're, they're more than friends to you. They're like your brothers. <clears throat> oh, that was very sweet. No, I appreciate all of it. Of course. All right. So we'll end on a question from you. Okay. I'm going to ask you a pre-question since you asked me a pre-question. Okay. Is cereal soup why or why not? <laughs> part of me wants to say 
It's not because soup is hot. But there are there is chilled I say, soup. I say there's there's soups that are cold. <clears throat> there is chilled soup. Yeah. So there's plenty I of think, chilled soups. I think I'm gonna say yes. Mm. It is soup. Okay. Because what is soup? It is liquid. A liquid, a, you know, broth, a liquid mm-hmm. of some sort, and sometimes it has things. Solid particles in it. Solid objects in the liquid. Yes. Okay. So, by that definition, cereal is a soup yeah. because it has the liquid and it has solid things in the liquid. And you like eat it with a spoon. Yes. You put now it the way it. I eat cereal, <clears throat> it may not be considered a soup because there's not enough broth. There's not enough milk cuz I don't put a lot of milk in cereal. Well, there's like chili. I mean, I do. Chili is like mostly but not a lot. Chili is like mostly meat. Well, oh, that's that's another is chili soup. It's chili soup. I think it is, but I think chili's like I feel like cereal's more soup than chili is. I I I agree with that, but I think that chili is like maybe like the cousin to soup or something. Like it's not fully soup, but it's re- it's related. It's closely related. Yeah, it's, it's soup and law. Yeah, it's like no, it's like a cousin. It's blood related. Oh, okay. Because like the premise is the same, but it's not quite the same. It's like your third removed cousin by by. No, marriage. I just said it's just a first cousin. It's just a first cousin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna say cereal is soup. Okay. Well, I agree with that. Yeah. So. Huh? In your opinion, what is your best, and what is your worst quality, and why for both? Hmm. So I'll start with my best. Okay. My best quality is I think <clears throat> I think I'm a good listener. You might disagree. <laughs> 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 but I I would say like I 99% agree with that. I try to be like kind to people. Yes. And listen to them. And um you know, really hear them, really listen to them like they matter. You definitely always have that intention. So like, like anybody, if it's a stranger or whatever, like I try to make them feel like they they matter. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's my best quality is, you know, trying to be a person who people can come to and they they feel safe and comfortable and like they matter and can be listened to. I think, I think I'm a good listener. Okay. And going off of that, I think my worst quality is like you were saying earlier, like talking, like telling them how I feel, verbalizing how I feel back to them. I'm a good listener, but then when it comes to time, for me to share myself with them, you know, I'll listen to them all day, share about themselves and, and comment on that. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes time for me to share about myself, I don't really like talking about myself yeah, or it's a little too vulnerable. And I feel like I don't, I don't verbalize enough. Um, when it comes to telling people how I feel about them. Um, so Why do you think that is? Why do you think that you don't 
or that you have like know. a block when it comes to verbalization? If you if you just had to make your best quick summary of why. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that. I mean, I grew up. I grew up in a house that we didn't have deep conversations, and we didn't talk things out. Really, mm-hmm. um, it was more of just. It was implied that, well, we love each other, and you know, it's all good, and we're not going to talk about it, and we don't have to talk about it. Um, you know. There's no need to just rehash that or unpack that. You know, there's no need. Um, You know, we had a lot of love growing up in my household. But we, we weren't big talkers. Like I said, you know, with my dad, it was more physical touch. Like, you know, he would rub my back or he would scratch my head. And that's how he told me. You know, I love you. You know, and he didn't have to say it. You know, it was just his actions would say it for him. Mm. And that's kind of what I've carried with me is, I'm like, well, my actions are telling you that I love you. Why do I have to say it? I do, but you know, I, I'm telling you that. Don't you see? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for you, or I'm, I hold your hand all the time, like. Don't you see? I love you, you know? <clears throat> so, and I've gotten better about that through the years. Um, I've gotten better about verbalizing that and telling people, like, you know, I love you, you mm. know? And so I, I'll I'll say that a lot now, like, especially to people I care about, like my family, mm. like my, my mom and my brother. Every time I leave them, mm. I always tell them I love them. Yeah. Yeah. And my friends, like, um, I, I love you, man. You know? mm-hmm. So I've, I've gotten better about s- verbalizing. Um, and you, you've always, like, you know, I know that I'm, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, I wish you'd verbalize. But, like, from early on in our relationship, once we both said that we loved each other, um, you, I mean, we say it to each other multiple, multiple, multiple times a day. You know, dozens of times a day we say we love each other. So that's not even, I think, our relationship. I think that applies, like, to your other relationships. But I think in our relationship it's more like, you know, how you feel about me. Things like that. Oh, you were... You were thinking about all these nice thoughts about our relationship. You were going down memory lane or something, or you yeah. were and I dreaming will, about our future. I will, but I won't. I won't tell you. Yeah, you'll think about it, but yeah, it's kind of like it's it's too vulnerable for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, and I just feel like it's too big to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's just like words are cheap. Mm-hmm. And see the times that you do tell me, because you do like once a week or if you know more than that. Like there's times where you'll come in and you'll be like, "I just love you so much, and I'm just so glad that you know I'm married to you." And you'll say, you know, things along that train of thought, and you'll you'll tell me all these things that you love about me, and I'm always like, "Where did that come from?" Like I love, like it always makes me feel so good and so special and so valued. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't like to talk about the obvious. Like, when I used to get high all the time, like, <laughs> when my buddies would be smoking weed. <laughs> and it's like the guy in the room that's just like, oh, man, I'm so high right now. <laughs> I'm so high, and like every five, you know. Oh, every, see, I'm that person. Every like, minute, I'll, they're I'll like, say it out loud. they're like looking at me like wide eyed. They're like, "Are you feeling it, man?" I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, yes, I'm feeling it. Shut up! Like we're all feeling it. Shut up! You don't have to say that. Let's just let's just acknowledge we all feel it, and then move on. You know what I mean? I don't like to talk about the obvious. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm just, I'm very verbal. I won't address the elephant in the room. I will not, I will not address I, it. I will. I will not. Yeah. I'll, I'll, because my, I'm, my thing is, we can see it. We all see it. Well, I won't address we it publicly, but privately, like, but when, if me and you go somewhere and there's like some shit yeah. happening in the room, like, <clears> I will, as soon as we get a moment by ourselves, like, did you fucking see that? Yeah. I mean, that's like, like, you have to know, like, time and place. Yeah. But maybe I, but I, I like don't talk about it. I will never talk about it. Yeah. You know, that's like when my, you know, my dad had cancer, like we all knew he had cancer. He knew it. I didn't feel like I had to talk to him about his, you know, how's your cancer today? You know mm. what I mean? Like, and see, like, how do you feel about having cancer? You know, like I, I feel like that's just going to take it to a place where it doesn't even need to go. It's just, he knows it. We know it. It's already there. Okay. Now let's just talk about other things. And see, but, and I kind of think that that's like a difference of opinion because like I, but I know, I mean, that's not, it needs to be talked about sometimes. Like maybe there was some times where I needed to be like, Hey, like, how are you, how are you feeling today? Yeah. I know that it, this is hard on you. Yeah. I know that. You're like looking in death's face like, every like day. Like, what, what do you think about your like condition? Like, yeah. what do you think like, about. Like, how are you really? Yeah, it's like, what do you think about what you're going through? I yeah. never ask him that, you know? Well, and I think that, well, that's what I was about to mention. I just wanted to keep it light and, and be like, what up? You know, just act like everything's good. Well, yeah. and I think that everyone has different roles that they play. I think that I I will say there's a caveat to that, which is that I I do think that it is important to know how to switch between – oh, God, I just knocked the mic. I do think it's important to know how to switch between different roles. Like, you know, I am a very, like, nurturing, caring, emotional type person. So whenever your dad was going through some of his worst – years with his cancer diagnosis, you know, me and you have already talked about this in detail, but, um, there were a lot of times where me and him would sit out on the front porch or me and him would go stand out in the driveway and he would like literally put his head on my shoulder and just sob. And I would just like rub my hand down his back and, you know, just comfort him and tell him, you know, how loved he is and like how, you know, much we care about him and, you know, just that kind of thing. And, and there was that happened so many times or he would he would like express to me his frustration about things, you know, that were going on in his life without getting into the nitty gritty, because I think not everything needs to be shared publicly. But he would express his frustrations and his fears and his worries with me. And he would get very emotional and cry and have these like big like get breakdowns. And it was like, for me, that wasn't 
hard to deal with. Like, it's like if, if we're out somewhere and somebody's telling us all their problems they're going through, I'm just like, just tell Lauren all that shit because I, <clears throat> I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I feel for them. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't want to sit there and talk with you about it. And like I, I well, and I like I'm. I'll just be like, man, that's that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, it to an extent it makes you like a little bit uncomfortable. Like it's like you said, it it's like a little like, uh, too vulnerable or too raw. And like, like I love this. She yeah, like I love getting you. into that with people. I love getting into that like deep place with someone and feeling like, oh, like we're we're ha- we're getting there. Like we're we're breaking down the walls right now, but. I do think that everyone has a different role they play in life. So maybe like for you, you're not meant to play that role all the time. But like I said, I do think there's a caveat. I think that it is important to know how to do all of it. Little bits of all of it. Yeah. And it's not like I never, you know, talk to people when they're going through things. And I'm always just like, I don't care. I don't know what to say to you. You It's it's not like that. You know, I I will talk to people, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't, <clears throat> I would like to do it more. You know, I would like to be more open. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully some of you have grown listening to this podcast and learned things about yourself, about us. Yeah. I certainly have. Yeah. And yeah, I really uh, appreciated your vulnerability and your honesty with the questions because I know a lot of them were kind of like deep and maybe brought up some um, feelings and emotions for you. So I do really appreciate the fact that you talked, that you were vulnerable, and that you are going to put it out on a platform for other people to listen. Yeah, well, we do appreciate you listening, and uh, yes, and and thank you so much for making it to this part of the episode. It's been a, a, a ride for sure, and thank you for making it to episode number seven. I can't believe it's number seven. Thank you to everyone who's listened to any episode, whether you've listened to one episode or every single one. And just a reminder, we will be taking a week off next week. So I'm sorry about that, but we need a little rest, a little rest, a little respite for us. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see you soon. Yeah, enjoy your weekend. Yep, and once again, from our couch to yours, This has been In the Midnight Hour podcast with Keller and Lauren. And uh, until next time, have a good night and get some sleep. (laughs) 